Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Preempt something. It's Andy's birthday today. For those who don't know, Andy is a prisoner who's part of our church who we support, and he is going to be phoning. If we've teed this up right, in two minutes, he's already phoned once and I've had to postpone him. And it's going to come through this boom. This is the plan. So we can all sing happy birthday to him and he can speak to you all. So this is the plan. This is why I've got my phone here. And I'm hoping that it's all going to, the technology is going to work. And he should be, he's very accurate, Andy. He's already phoned exactly at five past. And I've had to say, go again at ten past. And then I've said, and if it doesn't work, try every minute. So I'm hoping that he will, he will phone at ten past, trust me. Uh, anyway, for those of you who don't know, that's Andy, and he's had lots of cards. I'm so proud of you all. I think the last count, he'd had 46. He hadn't opened them, and he was so proud, and he was holding them all, and he counted them every time I'm on the phone. He counts them all, one, two. <laughs> you can't just tell me the addition. He likes to count them all through. But that was a few days ago, and there was a couple more days to go, so I'm, I'm wondering if we could smash 50, but he will be telling you that, I'm sure. So I'm just waffling now as I wait. What can I fit in before he phones me? Hello, Andy. Ah, yay! <laughs> Where's the mic? Need to thank, be I think thank you all so much for supporting me and being there for me. I love you so much. <laughs> Happy birthday, Andy. How many cars did you have in the end? 57. Wow, well done. 57 cards. Well, we're all going to sing Happy Birthday to you now. Are you ready? Go on, then. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Andy. Happy birthday to you. Thank you all so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for sending the cards. That is incredible that he's had that many. He's never had that many. And for those who don't know him and have introduced yourself, honestly, thank you for taking that five minutes. It really will have have put so much into his heart. Right. Last week, if you were here, we had a great time in our all-age service, didn't we? Celebrating Jesus and being the light of the world. All sorts of great light illustrations we had. Many people came to me and said, where can I buy those globe lights? I'm doing a small shop now, globe light shop. If you want to buy one of those globe lights, you get them on Amazon, they're fine. But we had lots of fun with light. I have to apologise for causing um, anxiety amongst a few of you by placing an oil lamp up on top of this highly flammable surface up here. Who was stressed by that? You see, not many people were. But um, Oh, hello. It was all good. All good. Um, We had a great time looking at this whole theme of light. If you missed that, it's on our YouTube channel. You can catch up by going along there, as always. And uh, you can watch it knowing full well we didn't burn the place down. So, uh, so light. I want to start today, actually, with light. Who recognises uh, my first slide, please, Tom? Okay, anyone recognise this? It's not a trick question. <laughs> it's the sun. This is an incredible picture taken by NASA that shows the surface of the sun. We can't see that with our own eyes it's so bright, but this is the surface... Uh, of the sun, uh, this incredible, incredible object that really has a massive impact on our lives. But we take the sun for granted, don't we? we the ancients used to think the sun rose in the east and travelled across the sky and set 
in the west, but we now actually know that it's us that does the moving. The sun actually stays still. We rotate on our axis as the earth, and that gives us our days and our nights. You and I are travelling at about 1,000 miles an hour at the moment. Can you feel it? <laughs> We're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, so we spin away from the sun's light, and that gives us our night time. We spin back towards the sun's light, and that gives us our day. So we get the illusion the sun rises and sets, but actually it's us that's doing the moving. And not only that, we're not only revolving on our own axis, but we're actually in orbit around the sun. How long does it take to get around the sun? 365 days. That gives us actually 365 days, 5 hours, 59 minutes, and 16 seconds, to be precise. But they've rounded it down for us to 365 days. The time it takes us to travel around the sun gives us our year. And it also gives us our seasons. Because the sun's tilted at 23 degrees as we travel around the sun. Sorry, the earth's tilted. That gives us our seasons. Now, we're perfectly positioned 93 million miles away from the sun, not to get toasted and not to freeze. We're perfectly positioned to enjoy the heat and the light of the sun. And without the sun, there would be no life on earth. The sun powers all the life on the earth. It gives energy for the plants, energy then for us to basically eat and consume. It powers our planet. So the sun's amazing. What you might not know about the sun, it's in constant turmoil. It's in constant turmoil. There's an inward and outward struggle taking place within the sun. The sun is so huge, it has enormous gravity. And that gravity is an inward force trying to crush it and compress it ever smaller and smaller. But the sun is also generating enormous energy through nuclear fusion, smashing hydrogen together into helium. And that nuclear fusion is an outward energy pushing heat and light outward into the galaxy. And so you have this massive outward force and this massive inward force wrestling with each other. Now, in the sun, what's extraordinary is these two forces are in balance. So the sun doesn't contract and become a black hole. It doesn't expand and become a a red giant to devour all the local planets to it, like Mars and us. The sun, its inward struggle and its outward struggle are in constant balance. It's an incredible, incredible thing. Now, we've got something in common with... The sun. We too have an inward and outward battle taking place within us all. The Bible calls the inward force, the inward gravity, sin. That's what the Bible calls it. It's the gravity that pulls us inward. It pulls us away from God and away from each other. It contracts us. You could describe sin as the gravity of selfishness. It pulls us inward and away from God and away from people. And against that inward gravity, we have another force that's wrestling within us. And that's an outward force that turns us towards God and towards people. And the Bible calls this force love. And love is an outward force that pulls us away from inward force and out towards people. And love is the opposite force to sin because, as the Bible says, love is not self-seeking. 
Love isn't an inward turning force, it's an outward turning force. And the Bible tells us that this love that we experience in our lives originates from God. God is the source of love because God is in fact love. And we all have a deposit of God's love within us because we're made in God's image. But without a vital living connection to God's love, the gravity of selfishness can and does overcome us. It contracts us away from God and away from people. Today we're going to start a new sermon series, and it's called Outward. Now the next four weeks we're going to explore how Jesus confronts the gravity of sin and turns our lives outward. We're going to see how through his life and through his teaching, he, he took on this gravity of selfishness and he encouraged people to repent, to turn from inward to outward, back to God and back to others, to be reconciled to the source of love, to be reconciled to God. We're going to look at what an inward and an outward life might look like. What would it look like to grow in outwardness and become more like Christ? But let's pause for a moment and think about the inward and outward struggle in your life and in my life. Because these forces are wrestling within us even as we sit here today. Unlike the sun, these forces aren't in perfect balance, are they, in our lives? Sometimes we experience much more of an inward pull and sometimes we experience much more of an outward pull. You might have felt the gravity of sin this week, pulling you inward, contracting you away from God and away from people. You might have suddenly felt justified in your selfishness. You might have suddenly felt justified in turning inward, away from someone or away from God. Another point this week, you might have felt love flowing out of you, drawing you outwards towards people and towards God. Perhaps someone this week said something to you and that offended you or upset you and you felt the gravity of selfishness pulling you inward, pulling you away from that person. Perhaps you felt the inward voice of self-justification whispering in your ear that you were right to turn inward, you were right to turn away, you were right to harden your heart towards someone or towards God. Perhaps it encouraged you to resist that outward force of love. Or perhaps this week you felt the power of love flowing through your life. You felt you had a, an overflow, a surplus, and that graciously drew you outwards towards other people. You did acts of service, or you, you blessed people, or you did secret things that no one saw, but actually generated by love. That outward pull was active in your life. You see, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, these two forces are always present. They're always wrestling within you. That inward gravity of selfishness and that outward pull of love, they're always present in our lives. They're present before we choose to follow Jesus and they're still present after we choose to follow Jesus. Before we choose to follow Jesus, we're wrestling with this gravity of sin and selfishness purely on our own, using our own resources. And and that gravity often overcomes us overcomes people. You see the results of lives turned inward and away from God. 
When we choose to follow Jesus, suddenly we have access to his limitless love. It says in 2 Peter that we, we have his divine power, which gives everything we need for a godly life. Suddenly, we have access to the source of love if we choose to turn our lives outward. We no longer wrestle with that gravity of sin and selfishness on our own. We have Jesus in our lives connecting us to the source of love. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus challenged this inward life that we all carry within us and, and encouraged us to repent. To repent means simply to turn around, to turn away. And so to repent is to turn away from the gravity of selfishness and to turn towards the outwardness of love. Today I want to start with a section from Jesus' teaching in Matthew's Gospel, often called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes, a big section Two chapters in Matthew where Jesus sat down with a crowd and began to teach them about the nature of the kingdom and the nature of the outward life. So let's read from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged with the measure you use. It'll be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus confronts one of the symptoms here of an inward-looking life. And that is a tendency to make judgments about people. Anybody struggle with this? Only a few of you. That's good. Jesus isn't talking about positive judgments here. He's not talking about looking at someone and saying, yeah, they're they're great, and I think what they're doing is really good. He's actually talking about mentally condemning someone. He's talking about creating a little court of law in our heads where we judge, jury, and executioner, if needs be. And we bring people into that little mental court of law and we make a judgment about them. We decide whether or not they're worthy. Why is judging someone indicative of a life Turned inward. Why does Jesus confront it so strongly here? Because when we judge people, it's rooted in our own self-importance. It's rooted in a distorted perspective of who we are and how we are placed and qualified to judge somebody. So when you and I judge people, we have an internal standard that we deem the person that we're judging hasn't met in some way. Sound familiar? They've fallen short in some way of what we perceive they should be or how they should act. And therefore they deserve our judgment. They deserve our our mental condemnation. And if this thinking is left unchecked, the ultimate expression of this we see in someone is narcissism. Where someone is so inflated with their own self-importance and their their own ego, everybody else will fall short. Everybody else will come second. Everybody else will be judged. So Jesus confronts this inward gravity that's present 
He says, do not judge or you will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So Jesus is very plain here. He says, if we judge, then we get judgment. And the implication behind these words is there's an ultimate judge, and that's God. And God is the only one really qualified to judge our lives and to judge people. When we judge someone, if we're a follower of Christ, it's a bit like we decide to turn down the tap of God's love that has flown and poured into our own life. We decide that even though we've received love graciously and without measure, we can decide to restrict that flow of love to someone else. I've done a little illustration to help us understand this. Let's imagine that tap is God's love, okay? And this glass represents you, okay? And there's God's love flowing into your life without measure. It says in Scripture, be filled to the fullness of the measure of God. So God's love is graciously flowing into your life because you're accepted in Christ unconditionally. God's love is pouring into your life without measure, without check. Okay? Now, you imagine you've got a little tap, and you're going to decide how much of that love you're going to pass on to other people. A dribble, in this case, we've decided is the right amount of God's love to pass on to the people around us. And this is actually the distorted perspective a lot of people have when they think about being a steward of what God's given them. I've talked to so many Christians who think this is how it works. I get unmerited favour, I get unmerited grace, I get a surplus of God's love poured into my life, but I've now become a spiritual gate or a tap. I can decide how much of that love I'm going to pass on to somebody else, depending on where they fall within my judgments. So we judge, we decide who's worthy Who's worthy of the love that we've so graciously and mercifully received? But let me tell you a truth. It's nothing like that. Because in reality, if you turn the tap off, you turn the tap off. And that's what Jesus said. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So if you decide to turn down the tap of God's love towards somebody else, you're also turning the tap of God's love down into your own life. And that's the spiritual reality Jesus is describing to the people around him. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Mm, sobering thought. How would you like someone to judge you? Fairly? Graciously? Mercifully? Lovingly? How would you like to be judged. Jesus tells us if that's how we judge others, that's the measure that will be used to judge us. So if you're very miserly with God's love flowing through you to other people, then you'll find there's a restriction in God's love flowing into your life. It's just the way it works. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. Jesus goes on to say where actually our judgments need to be aimed. Not at other people, but at ourselves. Why not look at the plank that's in your own eye before you try and take out the speck in somebody else's? 
Jesus is using exaggeration here. He's trying to say a speck of dust versus a timber, like having a building or a ship. This is the contrast Jesus is trying to make at this point. How can you take the speck out of someone else's eye if you've got this huge plank obscuring the vision in your eye? The Pharisees who Jesus was confronting were very good at identifying specks. And Jesus confronts them in in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 15. He said, they come to Jesus and they say, why don't your disciples wash their hands before eating? They're breaking the religious code of, of cleanliness. It's a speck of an issue. And Jesus confronts them with a plank of how they are encouraging people to take the money or the resources they might use to to look after, maybe elderly relatives, and that has to be devoted to the temple. So Jesus confronts them with a plank of an issue of how the temple is encouraging people to dishonour their mother and father versus the speck of washing hands before you eat. To grow in outward living, we have to look at the planks that are present in our lives. We need the help of God and the help of others to help us identify the planks that we all carry. Lots of things can cause you and I to judge people. There might be anger, there might be pain, there might be fear, frustration, isolation, ungodly beliefs, unmet expectations. The list goes on. All these things can cause us to make mental judgments about the people around us. And Jesus said the best place to start is to judge ourselves, not judge other people take the plank out of our own eye and then we'll see clearly to remove the speck in our brother or sister's eye so these planks that we carry they inhibit our ability to see people as God sees them we see them through a distorted lens we we see them and we we judge them these planks they're like gravity that turn us inward they darken our thoughts, they turn us away from God and away from other people. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, he said, uh, he said this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So Paul's saying that the place where judgment starts is with yourself. Consider yourself with sober judgment. And sober here doesn't mean when you're not drunk. It means to do it reflectively, thoughtfully, seriously, honestly. Take a good, hard look at yourself with God's help. And this sober judgment will help us to turn from inward to outward. Because it's selfish thinking that causes us to judge other people. But when we start to think about ourselves and judge ourselves, then we're dethroning ourselves. We've talked about this a lot in in past talks. We dethrone ourselves and we invite God into our lives to confront the planks that we all have within ourselves. And these planks are distorting our vision. They don't let us see people properly. They don't let us see God properly. So to start this series, I want to encourage you to do a bit of homework with the Lord. I want to spend some, spend some time over the weeks ahead reflecting and thinking about yourself with sober judgment. It says here, in accordance with the faith 
God has distributed to each one of you. And what Paul is saying there is that each of us are unique. Each of us are unique. We don't all struggle with the same things. We don't all face issues in the same way. We've all got a different measure of faith that we carry. We, we have this unique connection to God. And so Paul isn't saying let's all become little gingerbread people all exactly the same. He's saying with the measure of faith God's given you, consider yourself. Consider your whatever role you're in. How, how do you get on at work? Do you find you've got a judgmental attitude? How does it work for you and your family or with your friends or in different situations? Do you find yourself quick to judge? Sometimes those judgments don't stay in our heads. Sometimes they escape our lips, don't they? Our internal thinking becomes our external speaking and we say things, ah, that's kind of a judgment has escaped. But at the overflow of the heart and the mouth speaks, that's what Jesus said. And so whether we externalise these judgments or whether we keep them internal, they're still present and they're still a gravity that's pulling us inward, away from God and away from other people. So Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, because that's the road to narcissism. That's the road to an inflated ego. That's the way towards judgmental thinking. That's the way towards an inward life, to think of yourself more highly, but actually humble yourself and dethrone yourself and stop and have a sober moment with yourself. When's the last time you reflected on your thinking? When's the last time you reflected on your actions? Paul says we need to take time to do that in accordance with the faith God has given you. God's given you the ability and the means and the resource to basically self-reflect and to go in and to invite him in to deal with the planks that we all have in our lives. So when Jesus called you and I and, and we made that decision to follow him and we entered that journey, he gives us the power and the ability to live an outward life, an increasingly outward life. He gives us the resource to do that, but we have to partner with him. We have to access that. We have to, we have to walk that walk. Carrying a label that says Christian doesn't transform you. Something's happened in heaven that we don't fully understand where you're you're now fully received by God, but the walking out of that, the sanctification of that, the journey of that is a day-by-day, week-by-week process. Your life turning inward to outward. Paul says this, uh, one verse earlier in Romans, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation in our lives starts in our heads. It starts with a renewal of our thinking. As a man thinks, so he does, the Bible tells us. So whatever we, whatever we end up doing and acting and speaking, it starts in our heads. And so our minds need to be renewed. They need to be rewired. So you might sit here this morning, you might struggle with judgmental thoughts. You might have grooved them into your thinking. You might have grooved them into your, into your way of life because it's second nature to you to quickly judge People. But Jesus has the power to renew your mind. Jesus has the power to put new pathways. So rather than your life naturally turning inward, it begins to naturally turn outward. So as our minds are renewed, Paul tells us, then we are transformed. The transformation on the outside starts on the inside with our thinking. Jesus says, 
let your thinking become more, more like me, more Christ-like. And we turned more and more outward towards God and towards other people. You might have consciously turned the tap down on someone this week. You might have felt really justified to constrict that flow of love towards them because of what they did or what they said. It might have been a long time ago. It might have been recently, but you might have really turned that tap down and felt justified in doing that. But as you've done that, you've restricted the flow of God's love into your own life. So this morning, I want to encourage us all to to open that tap. So the measure that we are giving is the measure we're receiving. Receiving the fullness of God. Jesus has us on a journey to become made complete in him. I'm sure it won't happen on this earth for any of us, but we are on a journey whereby that tap gets opened and opened and opened and opened so more and more of God's love can flow freely through us, unhindered to the people around us. But to do that, we have to do some partnering and some homework. So I'm just going to invite the band to come back and we're just going to do a bit of time just just ministering this morning and spending a bit of time in the Lord's presence. I'm sure many of you this has spoken to you this morning because it's something we all struggle with. We all struggle with judgments. We all struggle with that inward voice that says you're justified in condemning that person. You're justified in judging that person. You're justified in restricting the flow of love to that person for whatever reason. And the Lord may want to come and minister to you this morning and bring a degree of freedom and turn your thinking from inward to outward. So if you're able, why don't you stand with me? So why don't we start by sort of dethroning ourselves, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. To come to God is to recognise who he is and who who we're not. And uh, that's a key part of the Christian faith, that we come recognising the humility that we are able to come into relationship with a loving Heavenly Father who is so far above us, so far beyond us, yet is a personal God, an intimate God. So Lord, we want to begin this morning by dethroning ourselves, where our thinking has become above you, God. In pride, we want to humble ourselves this morning. We want to ask for your forgiveness, Lord, if that's been the case. If we've thought that we know better than you. God, we want to enthrone you in our lives again this morning. And Jesus, we want to invite you in to go inward with us, God, to consider ourselves with a sober judgment, Lord. We want to take this process seriously, God. We want to state that you can change us, you can transform us, you can renew our thinking, you can transform our actions. We're not slaves to our past, we're not slaves to our even our families or the way we were brought up or the way we conditioned God. We're not slaves to any of that stuff, God. We are free. So, Lord, you enable us to think differently and to act differently. So why don't you pray in your hearts, my God, would you just identify any planks in my life? 
any planks this morning that are obscuring my vision. things the Lord wants to talk about this morning as well is unforgiveness because judgment often grows like a bitter root when we're not forgiving um, and we can find ourselves becoming judgmental when there's this root of bitterness and that can often stem from a person that we have not forgiven maybe several so again I would encourage you to do business with the Lord this morning and say God is one of my planks unforgiveness? Is that obscuring my view and causing me to be judgmental? Not only to that person, but it can spill out across your life, really, to everyone. If there's even one person that you are holding on to unforgiveness, because as Jesus said, that, that forgiveness that flows to us needs to flow out. It comes from God and it needs to flow out. And if we put that stop at us, there's a lot about that. It's a difficult concept to understand. God always loves us and he always forgives us but it's like there's something that we don't understand that's withheld when we withhold what has been so freely given to us so Lord we ask you this morning to show us if there are people in our lives could be way in our past or it could have been yesterday if there's people that we are struggling with to release forgiveness to Lord would you help us to make that decision today to make a choice even if we have to keep making it every day every week until we feel free Lord we choose today to forgive the things that have been done to us because of the forgiveness you have shown to us and the grace you have shown us so I encourage you as we worship to be just you know don't be passive in this because we've all got stuff we are all selfish people unless God changes and transforms us So be asking God, show me God, I want to do business morning. I don't want to go away from here the same as I came in. And if there's somebody, you might have forgotten about them, but I promise you it will still be affecting you if you haven't forgiven them. So Lord, would you show each one of us how we can release and who we can release today so that that tap can just flow freely from us. worship band is going to play you might want to said before the front is nothing magical about the front but you might want to step into this space today as a way of sort of partnering with God and saying Lord I do want to I do want to go in with you I do want to consider myself I do want to judge myself first of all I want to partner with your process in my life so you might want to step into this space just to, to signify that we can spend a bit of time worshipping now just allow the spirit to speak to you don't worry about other people what's happening around you don't worry about they have their own measure of faith they have to to work with you have the measure of faith that God has given you and God is a personal God and he wants to do business with us personally so um, partner with him this morning uh, help him turn you from inward to outward on this journey thank you for listening If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.